Hello and welcome to Zero Net 50. I'm Jennifer Deloney and with me is Joel Stronberg. Hi, Joel. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, so how are things in Washington following Super Tuesday? Uh, interesting. Um, yeah. I have to admit, I, I don't think anybody, or very few anyway, in Washington had expected uh, the outcome that, that came out of Super Tuesday. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly it's changed the uh, dynamic of the debate uh, a lot. And whether that's going to be for good or ill, um, we won't know for a while, but um, at least the, uh, the, the choice has become clearer. Um, and I think that uh, we're going to see some, actually, I think we're going to see some, some bloodletting um, even between Sanders and uh, Biden. And I hope that it's not too much uh, mm -hmm. with, with Trump kind of <clears throat> circling his wagon around them saying, you're going to, you're going to let him talk to you like this. Um, you know, he's going to keep stoking these fires because it's an, it's to his advantage. And I'm just hoping that uh, not only the candidates, but their supporters as well are wise enough to uh, kind of keep any dirty laundry they may have lying around to themselves um, or at least mm -hmm. behind closed doors and mm -hmm. not to, uh, to give Trump any more ammunition uh, than he already thinks he has. Yeah, well, it should uh, be very interesting. It should. And, and uh, the best thing that's happening in Washington at the moment, however, is the fact that the cherry blossoms are beginning to swell and nice. um, they're predicting an early, an early spring here. And I, for one, am ready for it. So uh -huh. uh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're about six weeks behind you in my neck of the woods. So you enjoy it for me. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll um, I'll see if I can bottle some of the sunshine up and send it your way. Yes, do that. Well, also, I understand there's been some movement uh, for discussion on an, on energy policy, and I was curious about what's going on there. Uh, there is, actually. And I think that's also something that uh, people in town hadn't really expected uh, to happen this year as well. Uh, to step back for a second, I think we have to I mean, basically, we have to go back to the, two, the 2018 midterms. Um, and I think that it surprised people uh, that, that not only that there were progressives being uh, elected uh, in opposition to Democratic incumbents within parties, uh, that, but that, the, that climate has actually taken on such a huge um, uh, standing in the debates, not only on the campaign trails, but, but here in Congress. Uh, one of the things that we saw uh, towards the end of last year, and it's been carried over uh, already this year, is the minority um, on the House side uh, under the leadership of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, they're actually coming out with proposals um, that first admit to the fact that climate change is occurring um, and that the United States and others around the world have to, other governments around the world have to respond. Now, whether that's accordingly or not is also yet to be seen, but it certainly has changed the dynamic. And uh, the McCarthy is, 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 for those that are not overly familiar with them, is correctly kind of classified as a Tea Party Republican. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, and so he's significantly more uh, conservative than, say, Ryan was. Um, and for that reason, too, he also tends to be fairly close to Trump these days, um, although how long Trump's friendship lasts with anybody is, is obviously a, a question, but, but the fact is that he's, he's very, very conservative. Well, 
what he's done is he's admitted to the fact that not only the climate change is real, but the fact that the Republicans are, are losing uh, their youth. And um, he, he was very deliberate about why he's doing, why he is calling um, some of his lieutenants into his office and suggesting that they come up with uh, various recognizable and um, policy proposals that in fact responds to climate change. Uh, and I don't think anybody actually had thought he was going to do this. Um, mm -hmm. There now, I mean, there's, there's a lot of dynamic going on. Uh, I think we, we spoke last time about the fact that the, the Democrats on the uh, House uh, Energy and Commerce Committee came out with a 655 page bill um, that I was very impressed with, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. it cut across, it cut across the, the policy silos and, and it wasn't it wasn't a complete um, agenda, but it it and it wasn't put out there as that. It was put out there as a draft. Um, and so not only did the Democrats, you know, kind of respond around that, but the Republicans are saying, well, maybe we should come up with something constructive as well, um, which which they did. Now now these are not proposals that I would, um, for example, throw myself on 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 my sword over because they're very very traditional. I mean, we can do this with more research that um, it looks for ways to actually make coal and other fossil fuel technologies more acceptable. And I, and I have a problem with that. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think everybody that has been in this business for any length of time would have a problem in that. And, and in a sense, um, I mean, I've been in this town long enough to remember that when other Republican administrations have come in that were quote unquote favorably disposed towards doing something about climate, that, that basically what they talked about was long-term um, high-risk research. And we're at a point now where we have, we have technologies that actually can, can begin the, the, the defense of uh, the environment now. We don't need to put this off by 10 years. Mm -hmm. But the fact, again, is that these people are now talking about it. And, just, and literally just five months ago, they were denying the science and now they're writing proposals. Now, the fact that it may not be for the purest of interests um, actually doesn't bother me in the least, as long as they're doing something constructive. And then what's happened also is, I mean, as you might imagine, the environmental groups are saying, you know, this isn't enough. Um, although one of the proposals that, that I think were bipartisan support is actually quite possible um, is in the planting of trees. And uh, Bruce Westerman, who is a, a uh, conservative uh, Republican congressman, but actually was in the forestry business before he came to Congress, just introduced a, a bill called the Trillion Trees Act. Um, now, Trump has indicated, um, had indicated in, in Davos um, that he was actually open to legislation that would plant trees. Um, and so Westerman put this bill in, and it's there's no denying that this is this could be a constructive thing. Now, what the Democrats have said, um, because they're, the Republicans are taunting the Democrats over this for not jumping on this bill as, as co-sponsors, what Democrats are saying is, well, you know, this is a good thing, but um, we don't want we don't want to give the other side, so to speak, ammunition to say, well, we tried something and you get one wish in this world, trees are it, and now we're not going to do anything again <laughs> right. for another decade. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, but again, the dialogue is going on. And in fact, there are places along the line where there is some agreement. Um, and 
in response to the House bill, these Republicans came up with their bill. They also got slammed. I mean, these are very these are very conservative conservatives, um, and they got slammed by the, um, the the Club for Growth, which which makes their conservatism look liberal. And in fact, mm -hmm. this group called them uh, called McCarthy and his very conservative lieutenants liberals. And mm -hmm. how dare they um, come out with a Green New Deal light? Now, mm -hmm. again, the trillion trees and research programs is what they've come up with so far. Right. Uh, right. It's a frustration. They, they're promising more, but hardly something that you could justify as um, the Green New Deal light. Now, on the Senate side, what's happening is that um, a bill is about to make it onto the House or onto the Senate floor um, that is, it's actually an amalgam of 50 pieces of legislation. Um, that have been discussed in the energy sector, um, well, at least for the most of the last decade. Um, and under the under the uh, the chairmanship of uh, Lisa Murkowski, uh, who is the uh, the senator from uh, one of the senators from Alaska, um, and Joe Manchin, um, Democrat from West Virginia, they've put together a bill that um, does a lot if if it, if it were ever, if it were ever to get passed which it won't. And there are a number of reasons why it won't. Um, and I'll tell you the punchline ahead of time is that it's still a constructive thing that's being done. It won't right. be done because what they've, what they've, they've removed all conflict out of this piece of legislation in the sense that the only issue, the only things that made it into the legislation were things that um, Republicans and Democrats have been able to agree on in the past. Um, now, what it leaves, obviously, is a lot of room for, well, well, that's okay at one level, but we really do need to do a lot more than whatever is in this bill. Um, and not only that, she, the, Senator Murkowski um, is basically refusing to accept amendments that aren't consistent with the, we don't want anything con conflicting brought up in this discussion. Um, mm -hmm. And they're working out the amendments now, but but for example, the Democrats are talking about the possibility of using this um, this broad piece of legislation to extend uh, tax credits, um, and in the cases uh, of of electric vehicles, probably to up those uh, to expand it into uh, storage as well. Now, what Murkowski has said is, no, I'm not going to take that um, because it's a revenue issue. And that means it would have to start in the House. The Constitution requires that all, all money bills have to start in the House. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, there are complications, but by the same token, this bill isn't going to get out. Um, even if it gets through the Senate, it'll never, be, it'll never be vetted in time through the House, nor does it go far enough. But again, what's happening is that there's actually a discussion going on. Um, and I'm unwilling, just because... Senator Murkowski, or for that matter, Senator Manson, doesn't do what I think is ideal. Doesn't mean that the fact that they're even finding anything to agree on um, and are willing to kind of stick their necks out, just the just the, the, the littlest that they can is a step forward. And, mm -hmm. and I think that what's happening now is that this is going to help to sustain the climate dialogue within the coming election. Um, and, you know, I remind everybody that I could count on two fingers 
the number of times that climate was actually brought into the debates between uh, Clinton and Trump. And now, I mean, it's everywhere. Um, and what we found in the, uh, in the primaries, for example, that um, in the first four primaries, climate was either number one or number two uh, on voters' minds. And they said that they were actually voting in it. Um, yeah. And so we've got, what we have is a lot of energy. Now, you know, does this, I mean, energy can, uh, we, we won't lose the energy, but the question is, you know, does it, does it find its way into a more or less productive form? Um, right. That's a huge think, shift. That's a huge it, shift. It, it, it is a huge shift. And, and yeah. I mean, as you know, from having to put up with my nonsense all these years that I am not the bluebird of happiness when it comes to this stuff. And, right. um, and I'm encouraged. So, I mean, you I'm should, sorry, you I'll take that well. for what it is. <laughs> so, um, so that's, I mean, that's um, a lot of what's going on in, uh, in Washington. It's, it's a lot mm -hmm. of talk and that's not a bad thing. Um, I'm gonna be writing uh, on a couple of strategic moves that I think the Democrats uh, can do on the way out of the 116th Congress that mm -hmm. given a democratic administration could actually help put some of the pieces back together again that Trump is uh, seemingly dismantled. So, um, so there I am. There you are. Well, that's that's a lot going on there, but um, interesting. Just thinking about you know what you're just saying you want to write about is really thinking about the future beyond elections and um, some some activity in the European Union has got me thinking about that. Um, just wanted to give a quick breakdown of what's been happening there over the last week and what it could mean for the US. Um, but I'll just take a quick step back here and look at the end of 2019 for context. We saw that the European Commission adopted the European Green Deal in December. Um, now that wasn't actual legislation, it was just their plan. Uh, but that deal includes the codification of climate neutrality for the bloc by 2050. So that would be something that would be legally binding. Um, that goal also includes reducing greenhouse gas emissions by about 55% uh, from 1990 to 2030. So there are two goals set there, 2030 and 2050. Um, and the EU's actions on climate can't move forward in a bubble, which means what they do will affect the rest of the world. And of course, you know, large economies like our own. Um, and specifically under the Green Deal, they want to make sure that there is a difference in the level of ambition between the EU and other places, uh, a mechanism that needs to be in place to offset what they call carbon leakage. And carbon leakage would occur, for example, if a company in Europe transfers its production to other countries that have lower ambition for emissions or when carbon intensive products are imported to the EU. Um, and that said, here's what happened this week, well, this last week. Uh, the commission released a proposal for putting in place the legislation necessary to reach climate neutrality by 2050 and also tackle that 2030 goal. And alongside that announcement, the commission released what it calls an inception impact, an inception impact assessment, which is lovely, very political, uh, for a carbon border adjustment mechanism to ensure that the price of EU imports reflect their carbon content. And according to that impact statement, 
The mechanism would have to be designed with World Trade Organization rules, and it would also be an alternative to what is currently working under the EU's emissions trading system, which you know essentially is set to continue functioning legally for the next ten years. So you know, un unbinding what's already bound is a tricky situation for a you know a region that is so large yeah. and. That change will require addressing the basic existing legal functionality of the EU, and that's no simple task. Implications for world trade and EU functionality under those changes um, is going to take some intense analysis and consideration. So, you know, all of that takes time. But uh, there's a quote out there from just recently from former U.S. Energy Secretary Ernest Moniz. And he says, quite rightly, if the world is not pursuing common ways of pricing carbon emissions, then a carbon border adjustment is inevitable, which completely makes sense. We all have to agree on one way or we have to balance each other out. Um, and there's a Republican group called Alliance for Market Solutions that says that the EU's plans could force Republicans to move forward on greenhouse gas limitations, which they don't want, but... If they they want the U.S. to maintain its global trade position, they're they're going to have to concede in some way. So you know they're they're for right. Although 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 mm -hmm. Trump could I mean Trump could take that as a challenge. And, yeah, um, absolutely, get out and, Mr. And, trade. And, and, right, and get the U.S. auto industry back into a trade war that it can't possibly win. Yeah, um, and it's it's I mean he doesn't understand markets, and that's. Mm -hmm. and the, that, that's this. I mean, that's something that his administration is going to be tagged with um, throughout history. I mean, whether it's the auto efficiency standards, where the mm -hmm. industry is much more willing to to uh, keep its keep emissions of automobiles and, and other transports down, uh, certainly a lot further than he is. Um, but mm -hmm. the same thing it happens with methane. It happens with HFCs. Um, it's. I mean, there's this 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 whole series where. The world is going to circle is going to make a circle around the, the United States and say you can't. I mean, you can't do business in our borders anymore. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Said unfortunately, he may he may choose the answer that would be least helpful in that, which is to raise. I mean, to to, to get into a, a, a tariff fight yeah. with, yep. with with the rest of the world, and we saw what happened with that this last time, and it, there's no reason to believe that it would go any better the next time. No. No, and, and the idea is that, you know, he could go to the World Trade Organization and, and, and contest it, but analysis shows that, it, that we would lose. So, you know, that the, the concept would be held up under their, their working paradigm right now. So there's, you know, it's an interesting potential path. So just looking at the situation for right now, the EU is... Uh, looking for public consultation on what they put out this week. Um, it's going to take feedback for four weeks on what it calls a roadmap for the initiative, and that goes through April 1st. And then formal public consultation will take place through the third quarter of this year with uh, the potential for the adoption of a plan by the commission set for the second quarter of next year. So that's a year and a half of just waiting to know what it's really going to look like, which is a long time. And that timeline alone sparked harsh criticism 
from our friend Greta, who said in a speech following the commission's release of the new plan that 2030 and 2050 targets are, are basically uh, them giving up because we need targets for this year and every year following that drastically cut emissions at the source right now. And I can see how Greta's message is aligned with what our society is increasingly deeming a climate crisis, crisis but I also see the importance of EU's path to weigh legal ramifications of change for people of a group of countries that are meant to act as one and for economies around the world that today are undeniably intertwined. It's, there's no easy answer. And all that change, according to the, the Europeans' Green Deal, has to be aligned with goals for social justice. And that can't be lost in the conversation. So how Greta's vision and the needs of global legal systems come together is not entirely clear to me. Well, I don't think it's entirely clear to anybody. I mean, no. It, I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean, among other things, it, 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 it's situational. I mean, um, tomorrow is not exactly as it is today, and so the plan that we drafted today may not be quite as applicable to tomorrow sort of thing. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's very difficult to get, I mean, to get a world moving in lockstep now. I mean, the timing element, I think, is going to be, uh, is going to create huge um, fissures within the um, political communities as, as far as uh, finding political answers to, to the crisis. Mm -hmm. um, because what's happening is that, I mean, the, 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 youth, the youth groups have a much shorter uh, time horizon um, as to when something needs to be done um, as compared to more establishment uh, planners who say, well, it needs to be done, but it can't get done that fast because, because we can't get these institutions to move nearly at that, at that speed. I mean, we're, we're, we are still a world that is more or less by consent and you mm -hmm. can't, I mean, you can force it, but not in any democratic way. And so it's, right. it would, it would only feed the injustices that yeah. are already in, in the system. And I think exactly. it's, it's, it's important that, <clears throat> Again, to look at certain other things as well, and one of the things that I that um, I was particularly surprised at actually was was the uh, the the outcome of the Heathrow third runway, mm -hmm. um, and the reason I was surprised by that is because I mean the British uh, British almost high court, I guess it was at their appellate level, um, basically said that the UK signed on to the Paris Agreement, and this is not consistent with the Paris Agreement, so. You can't do it. Um, right. and, wow. I mean, it, that uh, talk about a, a decision that, that we're a long way from in this in the United States. But the fact of the matter is that, that any court system of one of the you know, of leading economies are thinking in those terms um, mm -hmm. is hopefully going to speed things up. And I don't know how I don't know how the conflicts between um between young and old, in a sense, I, I hate casting that way, but in a sense, it is that way. it is yeah. that way. And yeah. and and I know from my own experience, as I'm sure you do, and anybody that's gotten older and is still standing, that your sense of time changes with time. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point, we're going to have to find some way to have these discussions without threats. And so, if I could just go off 
on a toot one more second. Just that, um, <laughs> I say that, you know, I'm lying, but, but, <laughs> um, but the fact is that after, after Super Tuesday, um, I won't say who said it, um, but a spokesperson for one of the youth groups said that we're going to make crystal clear the contrast between Biden and Sanders on climate change. Um, the Democrats are planning their own funeral if they nominate Joe. Um, now, you know, call me a silly sentimentalist, but is this really the basis for, for ultimately coming together in a, and having to come together? I mean, there's no choice. I mean, either, right. I mean, either Trump is voted out or we've just lost more than a decade yeah. um, of time that we can't, that we can ill afford. And I said, I, 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 this is going to be very interesting to see how it comes out. I, and I, I, overall, I'm positive about it. But you sure see these flashpoints coming up now that we're into the real stretch um, uh, for the election. And, you know, and Trump is, is not, is stirring the pot, obviously. I mean, he's, he, I mean, he, 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 he's, he's trying to convince one side that they're being this by the other in the Democratic Party, where it's none of his business. Uh, although obviously he thinks everything's his business, right. but, but that kind of dissension, and and I think that the next, how the Democrats deal with the platform um, in the summer, uh, as part of the convention in Milwaukee. Um, is going to make a big difference as to uh, how broad the uh, coalition of uh, Democratic supporters is in November. And I think that uh, I'm hoping that the Democratic National Committee and the Platform Committee are wise enough to understand that um, their being adamant is no better than um, Sanders being adamant, for example, and mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of suspicion going into the air, and I don't know how, I don't know how Sanders is going to react, and I don't think anybody does. But the other thing is that that there's a paranoia running through politics these days that um, that everybody that's not me is out to get me, um, mm -hmm. and that's a tough environment to have to um, kind of find your way through. Uh, and to be able to come up with something that everybody can agree on. Um, and it's, I mean, we, we, we also saw just, I know I'm going off here and I apologize, but, okay. um, you know, in this is the second time where the, the Republicans in the Oregon Senate left the building because they didn't want to oh, yeah. vote on, yeah. on cap and trade again. This is, a, this is the second time they did that. The last time yep. they... They have some kind of posse with them or something. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this is, I mean, there's, we have to remember that this, that these conflicts exist at a lot of levels. And when, uh, when somebody, for example, like the Secretary, Energy Secretary Moniz, who I have the utmost respect for, but he's pushing the Baker Schultz uh, national carbon tax. And mm -hmm. I just don't think that's going to work. Um, and I think that the opposition, that is going to bring actually both the right and the left. Uh, as far as the environmental groups, the the, the pro environment, the anti environment group, groups together. I mean, they, the the um, Myron Ebel, who still denies the science of climate change, um, could actually agree with Ocasio Cortez um, that in fact we shouldn't have a, a a carbon tax, at least as the as the only policy that uh, that we come to rely on 
uh, for transitioning off of, of fossil fuels. Um, and so this is going to be, yeah, you have to hope that, that, um, that there's enough sensitivity within the democratic circles that they can come out with a platform um, that is at least more satisfying. I mean, I don't know how 2030, it, it, while we're still not even sure who's going to be the next president of the United States, mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult to be able to plan for how do we get, um, you know, how do we reduce our current uh, emissions by, what, 50%, 60%, 70% mm -hmm. um, before 2050. And this is something that, I mean, we've even taken the name 2050 and used it for this podcast. Um, right. And that's something that, I mean, a lot of scientists are saying you can only speed up so much. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that, again, I think people should be looking, as they look at factors that are going to influence the uh, debate, the climate debate uh, in an election year, impatience is one of the factors they should allow for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and for my part, as we're looking towards the end of the year for our elections, uh, I'm also keeping an eye out on what's going on for the next conference of parties because we have some expectations for updates to countries' um, NDCs, and there's a lot of activity going on there, so I'm going to keep an eye on that, and uh, hopefully we can provide some updates here on, on both levels. All right, so I think that's all we have for today. Does that sound right to you? I think so. Um, okay. Uh, there's always tomorrow, you know. We'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, of course, for your insights on what's going on in Washington. It's always appreciated. Well, it's and... always, and I, I always, I'm always happy to know that Vermont's colder than here. So <laughs> that—that's me. I take it back. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's okay. We can take right. it. All right. Well, also, thank you to our listeners for joining us. You can tweet comments and questions to hashtag ZeroNet50 and have a great day.